If you'll take your Bible with me today to the book of Mark, we're going, we, we began last week a series of messages uh, out of the book of Mark. We'll be there for a while, Lord leading, and if he does lead in another direction, we can always do that. Uh, we're not locked into any one thing, and I'm glad we can do that, aren't you? I'm glad we're independent. I'm glad that we... Uh, Take our instructions and orders from God, not somebody else. Amen. And so I just hope you'll turn there tonight. I wish you'd come. I've got a real uh, gully washing, trash raising message for tonight. And I wish you'd make yourself available. Uh, Since the Rangers are not playing, the Cowboys is out of town. And the Mavericks, I don't know what they're doing. Let me give you a little background of the book of Mark, if you would please. Let me read the first verse of the book of Mark. And the Bible says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I wonder why there's no angelic choir singing at the book of Mark like it did in the book of Luke. I see absent in the book of Mark a manger, a baby, the wise men, the shepherds. I see absent from the book of Mark the angel Gabriel. And I see no genealogy that dates Jesus back. Mark just starts with the ministry of John the Baptist, where he says in verse number two, and that is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Now, Mark did not lay out for us the ancestry of Jesus Christ like Matthew did. But of course, Matthew is presenting Jesus Christ as king to the Jews, where Mark is presenting Jesus Christ as servant to the Romans. So he started with the ministry of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is the one who's going to proclaim and pronounce that there's a new king, new king in town. It is not Herod the Terrible or Herod the Great any longer. A new king has come. God has invaded the earth. And now the good news, no longer do we take orders from the governor Pontius Pilate. Uh, no longer are we stooped in the religious, cold, dry, drab kind of Sunday morning services. We've got a new king in town. His name is Jesus Christ. I'm glad of that, aren't you? Matthew starts his gospel with Abraham. Mark starts his gospel with the ministry of John the Baptist. Luke Begins his ministry, if you please, there very early. But John begins his long before 
Abraham or before Adam. John says in the beginning was the word. So John goes all the way back to eternity. Wonder why? Because John is presenting Jesus Christ as the son of God. Luke presents him as the son of man. And Mark presents him as the servant of God. And Matthew presents him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now we begin with Mark's ministry, if you would please. And somebody says that Mark is the first and shortest of the four gospels. Of course, you don't know what the four gospels really are. It's the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The four gospels. And Mark is the earliest and the shortest. I don't know if you've ever read Mark in its conclusion or not. But I like Mark because he don't put a lot of fancy words. He just gets on with it. I mean, he goes from one event to another. He does not give us any teachings of our Lord. He gives us his life action. It gives us his deeds. It shows us his doing. We should fall in love with Jesus Christ, not only for who he is, we should fall in love with the Lord because of what he is and what he does. I am glad that we can pray to our God and ask him for a miracle for that little lady in Ohio. Aren't you glad of that? I'm glad that God is just not a great big phenomenon floating around out yonder. I'm glad that he is a personal God who listens to our hurts and listens to our cries and fulfills our needs. Now, Mark was probably a teenager when Jesus died. You say, how do you know that? Mark 14 and verse 51 says, When Jesus was being betrayed in the garden, and when Peter cut off the ear of uh, the guard, there was a lad there that followed Jesus, wrapped in a linen cloth. And when they tried to take hold of this lad, they grabbed the towel and the boy ran off naked. Many commentators believe that was Mark. Because it's in Mark's writings. And Mark didn't say, y'all have seen me streaking down the road. I don't believe I'd have said that if I'd have been writing it either. I said, you should have seen me hide behind every tree as I went down the road. So when Mark was written, probably, I mean, when Mark, when Jesus died, Mark was probably a teenager. But when he authored the book, he's about 70 years old. This book here, Mark, has been called the gospel according to Peter. Because Mark probably was a convert of Peter. 1 Peter 5.13 says, my son Marcus. Peter is saying that Mark was his son. And I believe it was the son in the faith. Probably Peter led him to Christ. And he followed Peter and became Peter's disciple. And what this book is, it's the preaching and the teaching of Peter and Mark is writing it down. You knew that. I can tell where you look. Mark was not an apostle. 
Mark was not a disciple. He was a servant to the apostle Peter. Also, he accompanied Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. I tell you, this guy got around. I do not know how he did it without Braniff or American Airlines. You find him one time, he's in Egypt. The next time, he's in Rome with Paul at his first uh, imprisonment. You find him in Babylon. You find him in Ephesus. I mean, he, he gets around. He's a young man, gets around. And some believe that he went to Egypt and began a church and there was martyred in Alexandria, Egypt. Of course, you knew that too. But on the first missionary journey, when things got rough and things got scary, he was Baptist to the core. He went back home. He said, the mountains are high. The canyons are deep. The beasts are bad. The people are tough. Ministry is not for me. So Mark says to Paul and Barnabas, you can have your missionary trip. I'm going home. And he went home. Now, eight years later, when Barnabas and Paul was going on the second missionary journey, Barnabas, who was Mark's uncle, said, I'll tell you what, I'll just call Mark up and he'll go with us. Paul said, not in your lifetime. He's not going with us. He's a quitter. He went back. He's a Baptist. There was a movie on. He had to go see. Batman was showing. The Rangers was playing. The Cowboys are trying. And the Mavericks, (laughs) amen. But Mark says, I got something else to do. So when they started to go on another missionary journey, Paul said, he's not going. Barnabas said, yes, he is. Paul said, no, he's not. Barnabas said, yes, he is. Can you believe two Baptists was arguing? Can you believe they need the church vote on this deal? And so the Bible says in chapter 15 of the book of Acts, in verse 39, that there was contention and it got sharp. Have you and your wife ever had a sharp moment? Thank you, brother. You're the only honest dude in the house. Every other man in the place looked at the wife. And the Bible says that the contention between these two godly missionaries... One who wrote maybe 14 books of the Bible and another who was so sold out to God that he sold his land and sold his houses and gave them to the Lord, a rich man. And yet they had a sharp contention between them. So sharp that they divided asunder and one went one way and another went another. All because of this fellow by the name of Mark who wrote this book. Now, 18 years later, Paul's in jail. Paul's in Rome. Mark's in Ephesus. And Paul writes Timothy and says to Timothy, you folks down in Ephesus, I hope 
Timothy, you can come real quick. And by the way, when you come, bring Mark because he is profitable to me for the ministry. Just because you fail one time don't mean you've got to be a loser. Just because you stumped your toe one time and fell flat of your face. Hey, hey, look, here's one that guy, he just quit, man. He went back. He laid it down. He said, I'm done and went home. And now he has authored the first book after the book of Malachi. Can you imagine 400 long years and nobody has heard from God? At the close of the book of Malachi in chapter number four, Malachi promises the people of God that the son of righteousness would rise with healing in his wings. And he said, also, I will send my prophet Elijah and he shall deliver our folk. This is chapter four in the book of Malachi. And wham, the Bible is closed. God's speaking to his people is closed. The heavens is silent as a cloud, dark as it can be. And God has not said one word to his people. There's been the Assyrian captivity where the the Assyrians came in on God's city and carried captivity uh, uh, to another land. The Babylonians have come in to to Judea, to to Jerusalem and, and carried him off captivity. And heaven is silent. As though God had died. No word. No good news. Nothing. History on the earth still takes its course. The Babylonian... Empire, by the way, America is not the only, only superpower that has ever been. The superpower Babylon now has given way to the needs and the Persians. Another king has arisen. God's people is still in bondage. Heaven is still silent. No word. Not a, not a, not a glint. Not a sigh. Alexander the Great runs across the earth's surface and captures and conquers the known world in his day. And God's people is caught between the hammer of war and the hammer of pestilence and the hammer of, of greed and the hammer of persecution. And heaven is still silent as if God did not care. Then, somebody penned the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Folding back as a wrapped up bedspread, heaven now has opened. And Mark says, Let me tell you 
about a new king in town. Uh, Let me tell you about good news about deliverance. Good news about healing. Good news to the prisoner, you can be free. Good news to the sick, you can be made well. Good news to afflicted, you can be comforted. Good news. Hey, what do you think it must have been when all of a sudden somebody heard from heaven? That's the book of Mark. The first word in 400 years. The first breath of heaven in 400 years. Good news. Mark begins by sharing two great personalities. We can't hardly see that up there in the red. But that says preparation for the perfect servant. Next week, we'll change the colors so we can see it. Two persons that Mark begins to describe for us. Notice the person of Jesus Christ. Secondly, the person of John the Baptist. Notice, if you would please, the person of Jesus Christ. Let me just give you some Four important things that Mark mentions here. Notice, if you would please, he says, the beginning. Now, I like that. Now, this does not mean the beginning of Jesus Christ. Does not mean the beginning of John the Baptist. It does not mean the beginning of a new plan What it means is, it just says the beginning. Two other times, this phrase has been used in the Bible. In Genesis 1 and 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, you know the rest of it, don't you? God did what? Create the heavens and the earth. Now, if you have any trouble with that, you'll have trouble with all the rest of it. God does not try to prove to you and I that he did anything in the beginning or he was even there in the beginning. Because if God is God, he was there when there was no beginning. But in the beginning of the human race and in the beginning of time, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And let me tell you something. He created out of nothing and hung it on the same thing. You say, how did he do that? He's God. (laughs) He's God. I would rather believe God's story that my granddaddy was a tadpole. Wouldn't you? I just don't understand Folks that have problems with in the beginning God. I have less problem with that in the beginning. It was two amoeba floating around in water. And my problem is where did the water and the amoeba come from? And they got lovesick one day and they looked at one another and they kind of got moochie moochie and 
laid a lip lock on one another and they just hung together there, you know. They swum around like that in the water where I don't know where it came from uh, for 1,200,000 years, three days, two minutes, and 15 seconds. And as they floated around like that, suddenly they grew a long tail out the rear section. That took a million years for just the fins to develop. And they floated around in water like that for a long time. One of them said, wouldn't it be nice to have fins on the side so we kind of balance ourselves? And that took about a million, two hundred, three years, four days, five minutes, ten seconds. And they developed fins out the side. You have any trouble with this? One of them said to the other, wouldn't it be nice to have a hole in the top of her head so we could just go around like Lawrence Welch blowing bubbles? <laughs> the other one said, yes, let's vote on it. They voted, and it took 5,675 days, two minutes, three seconds, bang, hole in the head. One day it jumped out of the water real high. Stayed up our little while, and they felt the warmth of the sun one of them even said to the other wouldn't it be nice to go to the beach they said yeah let's go to the beach so they got that long tail feather that long tail feather that long fin in the back put it in overdrive four wheel drive super get it and they ran to the beach swam and landed right on the beach You know how folk like to go to the beach. Laid there in the sun. And the sun began to draw and warm. And that thing began to shrink. And that long fin turned into a long hairy tail. That took a while. Fins on the side turned into long hairy arms, you know. And I don't know how that thing walked. He might have walked like this. He might have walked like this. You kids having any trouble yet? Now he may have walked, stooped over like this. Mm, mm, mm. Or he might be on television doing like this. But after several hundred million years, Those arms turned into long, hairy things. And that thing just stood up. Walked off that beach. Now he's teaching in all of our high educational institutions in America. I don't know which story you'd rather believe. But in my simplicity, I think I'll just believe in the beginning God created. Another time that word used is John 1. And John says, in the beginning was the Word. I wonder why he said in the beginning was the Word. Because the Jew would not pronounce the name Jehovah. They carried the name Jehovah so sacred 
that it would never fall from a Jew's lips because that is blaspheme. Thou shalt not take the Lord God's name in vain. And they believed if you ever used the name of God, never spoke the word Jehovah in any other, in other, in any other context other than just absolute holy reverence, it was blaspheme. So a Jew by the name of John wrote, in the beginning was, don't say the word. Not Jehovah. You know the word. In the beginning was, you know the word. You know what the word, you know, the word we don't speak. The word we don't dare fall off our lips. The word that is reverent. The word that, uh, that the creator of all the earth, the, the holy, the reverent, the most high, the majest, majestic God of the universe in the beginning was the word. So in the beginning of the gospel, of Jesus Christ. I wonder. Notice if you would please. The next phrase. In the beginning of the. Gospel. Now you know the. You know the definition of gospel. Good news. Good news. To a people. Who's been ruled by a monster. By an Edomite, not a Jew, an Edomite by the name of Herod the Great. And being governed by a pagan governor and taking care of all the local issues in a corrupt government. In a government that does not believe in Jehovah God. A government that worships idols and worships the Caesar that's got his throne over yonder in Rome. uh, Who demands personal worship from all who is under his dominion. A people whose religion has become cold and dry and indifferent. Coming out of the Old Testament finally somebody says, good news. I declare unto you the gospel. Isn't that nice? Back yonder, 46 years ago, in bondage to sin and to self, a rotten, terrible, stinking sinner. Somebody walked into my living room one night, at Thursday night, and a soul winner sat on my couch and said, Gee, I brought you great news, the gospel. It was good news to the ears of a hell-bound sinner on their way to hell. Good news. Good news. Mark says, I want to talk to you about the beginning of an era, a time of good news. It's be about like in November... If we vote right, it might be good news to a bunch of folk who's having socialism pushed right down their throat. 
who's living on somebody else's borrowed money. I hope somebody can say after the election, good news. Good news. We no longer have pagan government. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Good news. To a society that's caught in the grips of materialism and atheism and agnosticism and socialism and communism. Boy, Jesus Christ is good news. Amen. I'm glad I can tell all six of my kids, you don't have to go to hell. I can tell all six of my kids, there's hope beyond the grave. I have good news for you. Jesus Christ is on his way. That's what, that's what Mark was saying. Notice another term in that same verse. The beginning of the gospel of who now? Jesus Christ. Well, there's something about that name, isn't it? Uh-huh. That old song is just something about that name. Amen. Uh, you can talk to your heathen buddies all day about the old man upstairs or, or the source or the power. But you mention that name Jesus and I'll guarantee it'll shut their hack feathers standing straight out on the back of their neck. You know, there's just something about that name. What Mark was saying, I, I, I have some good news. After 400 years, uh, there is somebody who's going to come. It's kind of an unusual situation. I, 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 I'll not go into it, but now if you want to really see what happened, you can go to the book of Luke and see the Gabriel telling Mary. And, <laughs> and you can ask Joseph if it affected him any when all of a sudden his girlfriend was pregnant. And that story that she told him. Joseph. One day I was just standing there. And the Holy Ghost come upon me. And I conceived. And here I am. Good luck. Go home and tell that, sell that story to somebody you know. And oh, by the way, the angel told us what to name him. They said, call his name. You remember what he said? Jesus. In the Greek, Joshua. Savior. Mark said there's going to be somebody that's coming. And John the Baptist will tell you about him. But he's coming. And his name is Jesus. And John says in chapter 1 and verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. But Jesus has come to declare God to us. Jesus is proclaiming and decreeing that God has become flesh. 
so that you and I who are flesh can identify with a God who loves us so much that he became like us and felt what we felt and go through what we went through and yet without sin and in the last part hung on a cross and died for our sin. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus. God in flesh. Can anybody say amen? Amen. But he does not stop with Jesus. He said in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the person. Christ is the purpose. Christ, the anointed one of God. Christ relates him to God. Jesus relates him to man. Jesus can relate to sin, although he never sinned. Christ is holy, anointed one of God. Jesus can take a hold of my sinful hand. Christ can take a hold of God's holy hand and there once again bridge the gap between holiness and sinfulness. No wonder the songwriter said, oh, what a mighty gulf God did span when God came down to man. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Another little word in there. The Son of God. Now, we're not here today to worship just Jesus as a man. We're here to worship Jesus Christ, the God-man and the man-God. The Son of God. Isn't that wonderful? The Son of God. Notice notice Mark does not try to prove that. He just merely states the Son of God. He leaves no doubt. You know who died on the cross for our sins? The Son of God. You know who was buried in that borrowed tomb? The Son of God. You know who got up the third day? The Son of God. You know who ascended into heaven on a glory cloud in Acts chapter 1? The Son of God. I bet you as that cloud swooped down under the feet of Jesus and started up, I bet those disciples said, I don't know if he's the Son of God or not. Uh, He might be a phony. You you know, you just look at that cloud taking him up. Son had been chill bumps running up by my back like an ant racetrack. Come on, you would too. You know what's wrong with us? We just come to see Jesus.
But he's more than just a man. He is the God-man. And Mark wants everybody to know that I'm fixing to show you in the book of Mark the Son of God who is God's perfect servant. Sovereign but servant. Not worried about being a celebrity, a servant. You don't need an ancestry or genealogy for a servant because that's really not important. You need that for a king like Matthew. Huh? You don't need angels announcing the coming of a servant's kid. They do that for the king's kid. Shepherds do not seek out all the servant's kids. Wise men gets no information from a servant's child. That's why there's no accolades at the beginning and no ancestry at the beginning. Mark is going to show you and I the importance of becoming a servant. As the key verse says, for the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and give his life a ransom for all. Wouldn't it be nice if we learn how to serve one another And learn to serve him like he served us. Wouldn't it be nice if we became humble as he was? And when he reviled, he reviled not again. When he was cussed, he did not cuss in return. When they spit at him, he did not spit back. Well, I thought maybe... We'd have a good time, but it looked like it kind of jailed on us. Mark has no attempt to try to prove that Jesus Christ is a son of God. Lays it out there. Says, now, you can love it or you can lump it. Mark is a book of show and tell. It tells by Jesus showing. You say, well, preacher, I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, I'm going to close with this verse. You see, you're not really. Yes, I am. I want you to think about something. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You have been saved how long? Don't raise your hand. You've known the Lord how long? You've sat here week after week, month after month, year after year, and you've sat here. And I wonder if maybe Jesus was walk up to you today and he say, Whom? 
do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? The way we live, the way we act. Who are we saying to all about us who Jesus really is? Peter followed our Lord for two years. Watched his every movement. Peter is the one who walked on the water. But he's also the one that cussed our Lord and denied him three times. After two years, Jesus said, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? You might say like they, Well, Lord... Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some Elias and others Jeremiah. Or maybe one of the prophets. And Jesus looked at Peter. The guy was preaching while Mark was writing down the book of Mark. And he says, Peter, after two years, who do you say I am? That's good, ain't it? You've got to answer that. You need to answer that right today. Who do you say that he is? Finally, Peter got it. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a mighty Savior we serve. the last two weeks our folks have shared the gospel with hundreds of folk from door to door from pulpits bus routes hundreds of people have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ the son of God 60 plus has made a profession of faith That he is Christ, the son of the living God. But yet, the answer comes to you today. Who do you say he is? That great herald that was going to prepare the way for Jesus. John chapter 1 was baptizing. He looked down the road, saw a lonely figure coming down the road. He got everybody's attention around the river and said, now, I want you to look under. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And then he swells up with a big old smile on his face and said, that is he. That is he. That's him. That's the one I came to prepare the way for. What are you going to do with your sin? You can either let God forgive it 
in Jesus Christ. Or you can take it yourself and stand before God and answer for every single one. I would to God today you would come and allow God to forgive you of your sins. Save your soul. Prepare a mansion for you in heaven. All because there's a new king in town. His name is not Obama. His name is not George Bush. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God.